Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, March 28th, 2019. And uh, I have to apologize. I've been having air conditioning problems and service people in and out all day, so I'm a little disorganized today. I didn't have enough time to get my thoughts together. A reminder, we do have vid chat tomorrow uh, for the members of the website at 6.30 U.S. Central Time. As usual, I'll be in there early. Uh, to kick things off with a bit of just informal conversation. So please, we've already had some questions. Get your questions, comments in uh, if you can. Uh, today I want to talk about two things. Uh, Italy, <laughs> as always, and Brexit. And uh, I'll get to the Brexit part uh, in just a minute, but there's an interesting article at RT and Italy, as you know, I've been saying, watch Italy. And I'm going to expand that. I've been kind of warning that this is going to be coming down the pike. I think you're also going to have to start watching other countries in Southern Europe, Spain in particular, which is being very quiet, but watching Italy, okay? And the reason they're watching Italy is China, <laughs> okay? There's an article at RT that's very interesting called Just Jealous, Italy Responds to Criticism for Joining China's Belt and Road Initiative. This was just published yesterday at RT. I want to read a few paragraphs of this article. One in particular, I think, is going to presage some more moves and some themes that we're going to hear articulated now over and over, not only from Italy, but other member nations in the European Union, and particularly countries that have been hit by the debt crisis and austerity measures, Spain, Greece, and so on. So here we go. Quote, Italy has become the first G7 nation to join China's ambitious plan to revolutionize global trade, making other Eurozone majors jealous of the move, according to uh, Michele Geraci. And he's, he is quoted here as saying, quote, in reality, all European countries want to be part of the Belt and Road, unquote. The top official told the South China Morning Post on the sidelines of the ongoing Bao Forum for Asia annual conference in China's southern Hainan province. According to Garachi, who led Italy's talks with China on the Memorandum of Understanding, other European states will follow suit and sign the document in the near future. Skipping a few paragraphs. The European Union, that's the bureaucrats in, in uh, pardon me, Brussels, <laughs> had previously warned Rome against unilateral negotiations with China. You're not sovereign. You can't negotiate. Leave it up to us bureaucrats in Brussels. France called for a more unified approach toward Beijing that, quote, took advantage of, unquote, of divisions among the European nations. When we were criticized, me personally also, for taking care of all of this over the last few months, it's because we want to lead, and leading means doing things first, unquote, Garachi said, stressing that the outside criticism has helped make Rome even more alert toward the deal with its Chinese partners. According to the official, Italy would become the terminal of China's Silk Road, thus affecting major European port cities like Hamburg, Rotterdam, and Marseille. Joining the project may spur Italian economic growth after last year's recession. In other words, Italy has, again, 
reading between the lines, folks, just thumbed the nose <laughs> at the rest of Europe and said, we're going to go ahead and do this anyway. And, you know, if it's to their benefit, they should. And uh, But it's this last comment here that really gets me thinking that we're listening to the first articulation of a meme that I suspect we're going to hear more out of, not just Italy, but more out of Southern Europe, Spain, Greece, and so on and so forth. And eventually, this is going to spread, I think, even to the entrenched um, globalist Atlantis' interest in France and Germany. And this is, <laughs> this is what Garachi says, quote, the U.S. was not very happy. We did what we think is in the interest of our country. We can be a competitor with China, but we can also cooperate because China has the size and we have the know-how and the quality. We're not Greece, we're Italy. We are a $1.7 trillion economy, unquote. Now, the meme there is that I think we're going to hear more out of is if you're going to tell us how to run our country, then get your own affairs and your own debt in order. And that's a huge message to the United States. And I'm surprised that Garachi did not even go on to say that, well, you know, you're, you're people to talk. You can't even find missing trillions of dollars in your own federal budget. But I suspect that this is a clue that we're going to hear more talk like this out of Italy. And I would not be surprised that we're going to hear a lot of the same sort of talk beginning to be articulated by some of the nations in southern europe and this is a clear this is a clear indication that the attempt of the european union to impose a kind of uh, across the board standard negotiating strategy on the rest of the european union is simply going to fail now that brings us to brexit folks and and i fully intended if i had not been wrestling with servicemen all day uh, with the air conditioner. I wanted this part to be much less extempore than it has to be under the circumstances. But tomorrow, I have scheduled a blog about Brexit, and the blog is already obsolete because events are moving so fast right now in the United Kingdom politically that it's very, very difficult to keep up with. But the blog is about the fact that uh, at the beginning of the week, it looked very much like Prime Minister May was facing a revolt of several members of her cabinet over the continual delays with the Brexit bill. Now, earlier this, earlier this week, uh, the House of Commons has passed a number of votes, the first vote being to take away the whole process away from the prime minister. In other words, that's, that's as much of a slap in the face as you can get. Uh, and I'm... I'm with other people predicting that her government is not long for the world. In fact, the blog tomorrow is talking about the attempted coup on some of her cabinet members that are going to try and force her to resign. So the story went at the beginning of the week and uh, replace her with the vice premier, which is a fellow by the name of David Liddington. And in the meantime, watch a leadership fight emerge in the Tory party. And again, there is already talk behind the scenes in the Tory party that they're going to try and do everything to prevent Boris Johnson, who, who was the former uh, British defense minister who resigned a few weeks ago from the cabinet. 
they're going to try and prevent him from taking the leadership of the party. Now, I, I knew uh, Mr. Johnson as kind of a, an acquaintance, certainly not a close friend, but, you know, I knew him and said hello and spoke and so on. Back when we were both in Oxford, he ran a rather tough and uh, successful campaign to assume the presidency of the Oxford Union Society. And I know he's a tough campaigner, and you never can count him out. And, and this is one thing I'm, I'm warning about. But I want to talk about the Tory party in particular, because the whole Brexit thing is looking like such a fiasco, the way it's been handled. And the sticking point has been the border, quite frankly, b between Northern Ireland and the Irish Republic. As far as I can tell, that seems to be one of the major sticking points in the whole in the whole process. But the Tory party, if we go all the way back to Prime Minister Thatcher, you'll recall that Mrs. Thatcher was warning against entering the European Union because eventually, and she was quite right in this prediction, it would lead to a, a an erosion of British sovereignty. And eventually she was overthrown herself in something like a palace coup, which they're attempting with Mrs. May and her cabinet. She was forced to resign the leadership of the party. She became a backbencher. And of course, Prime Minister John Major took over as the leader of the Tory party and eventually Prime Minister, took Britain into uh, the European Union fully, and now the chickens have come home to roost. We've got another Tory prime minister who is under a lot of pressure to resign, who has apparently now just recently, just today, indicated that she will resign once the Brexit deal goes through. Now, all of this to me indicates that the Tory party and the divisions within it that have been basically there during this whole Brexit fight were really visible all the way back with Prime Minister Thatcher, with the Tory dries and the Tory wets. You had Tories that were in favor of entering the European Union. You had others like Mrs. Thatcher who were not. And this philosophical debate does not appear to be resolved. Uh, those long-standing divisions within the Tory party are, at least the way I'm reading the news coming out of Great Britain right now, are still there. And I think this spells bad things in the future for the Tories unless they can get their act together. A prolonged leadership crisis at this point is not going to do them any good. And I suspect that uh, the attempts to, to count people like Johnson or uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg and some of the other people on the dry end of the spectrum within the Tory party are, are going to... Uh, come to 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 not um, to to dissuade or to attempt to turn the clock back uh, and try to go back to a David Cameron John Major style of leadership I think might do them some harm again I you know this is viewing things across the pond but it appears in other words that it's in some sort of philosophical disarray as a result of this prolonged endless brexit process. So where things stand right now, we don't know. There's another vote in the House of Commons scheduled tomorrow on Friday on the Brexit deal, or at least a part of it. An earlier vote was uh, denied by the Speaker. The European Union is putting pressure on, on the House of Commons to pass an extension 
so that they can negotiate their way out of this. And there's already comments in Great Britain, let's just go the hard Brexit, you know, forget about the EU and so on and so forth. All of what this means is if you go back to Italy now, Italy has taken advantage of the disarray within the European Union and just struck out on its own. And I suspect that the longer the Brexit uh, deal is held up, you're going to find the pressure on the rest of the European Union countries to make their own deal with China. Uh, I suspect that that's going to become enormous, and it's going to become particularly so on Great Britain. Um, so it needs to be resolved. It needs to be resolved quickly so that Britain can get in on the deal and not have crumbs left over from the table. I think the real odd men out here is not only going to be Theresa May, it's going to be Macron and Angela Merkel, but time will tell. This is all speculation, folks. Things are happening so fast right now, it's very, very difficult to keep up with. But Italy has already jumped ship. It sent a clear message that, hey, it's okay for sovereign nations to go ahead and negotiate on their own. <laughs> and uh, as I said, watch Italy, and this is, I think, eventually going to spill over into the rest of Southern Europe, particularly into Spain. We'll see how this goes. Don't forget, there's a vid chat tomorrow uh, at 6.30 p.m. U.S. Central Time. As always, I'll be in the chat room a couple of hours early for just informal conversation and, and chat. And uh, the new book is out, by the way, so please uh, go to Lulu and look up on my page on Lulu. The new book is out. Uh, it's got some good reviews so far. So I hope to see everybody in vid chat tomorrow, folks. That's it. Bye-bye. We'll see you on the flip side.